This is the Yab Convocast, one-on-one conversations with your other brothers' authors, community members, supporters, and friends. What's up, friends, and welcome back to the Yab Convocast as we make the rounds and connect with everyone. Everyone connected to Yab in some way, shape, or form. And I'm really grateful for today's guest, today's contributor, because he's been a part of Yab from the beginning. And I know him from before Yab. We go back so many years. Um, He is the resident oldest author holding that title down from the beginning. It is our other brother, Marshall. What's up, Marshall? Hey, Tom. It's good to talk to you. Thanks for uh, having me. I always appreciate uh, whatever opportunity to uh, talk here. Yeah, it has been so long, Marshall. I was I was going back through the archive of my mind and the last convo cast we did. Well, we did. I think we did a couple of convo casts last year, right? Yes, it was uh, during early 2020, or at least it was after March 2020, uh, somewhere Mm -hmm. spring, summer last year. Yeah, I seem to recall that we talked about Seattle. I'm just like in my head, I'm remembering what we talked about. We went to Seattle together, um, not together, but on separate journeys. We we talked about the city of Seattle. And then uh, we talked about acquiring furniture as adults. That is is what stands out to me from our Mm. previous Yobcast conversations, which listeners can go back to and dive into at any moment. Yeah, I've, um, it's funny. I was, just uh, talking to you, Tom, before the actual recording, and we were talking about, uh, you know, what we were going to talk about. And I said that what I had in mind was only a very heavy subject, nothing too lighthearted. <laughs> and then I just realized that I can't even think of anything lighthearted to start with. So, I mean, sure, we can talk about, you know, the uh, here's something more serious, Marshall, because I yes. know we're kind of wired the same way. We love having deep conversation yes. like why do we need to talk about the weather or the latest <laughs> sports team thing or whatever right. like why waste our time on that but something lighthearted that i did want to talk to you about because the times that i visited you you've taken me to this i forget what it's called i remember it's like it's got like a 1920s diner feel to it um where you live there in maryland and i just remember ha- having gourmet pop tarts with you and these were incredible. Oh, okay. It's called Ted's Bulletin. It's a, you know, Ted's Bulletin. That is what it's That's called right. because they give you a uh, an old fashioned uh, bulletin newspaper style menu, and it's um, one of the best diners around here. But it's, um, you know, it's oh, more so of what people would call a fake diner <laughs> because it's. Uh, it's a nice restaurant that's deliberately designed to look like a diner, but it's not a dive diner. Right. Right. But I mean, gourmet pop tarts. Yeah. They're like, it's, it's not even, it's like whatever your vision of a pop tart is, you know, from what, who makes that Kellogg's, whoever makes pop tarts. Like this is, this is like a pop tart, like nothing you've ever had. I mean, it's flaky. Um, it's fresh. It's hot right out of the oven. Um, 
it's they all have all these different flavors. I mean, it's it was incredible. That is that is if we were, if we wanted to start in the shallow end, Marshall, <laughs> I was like, we have to start with the gourmet pop tarts in Maryland at Ted's Bullet. Right, it, it's huge. Yes, I uh, I lived much closer to that uh, particular place um, before I moved out to the farm where we all live. But I, it's actually on the way home from work, and because I work at night, mm. I drive almost right by it. So you know, I'm coming by there at breakfast time. So, um, you know, I'll stop there once every few weeks. And I think it was just two or three days ago that I was there myself. It was, um, you know, and I did have one of their Pop-Tarts. Of course. How can you go to Ted's Bolton and not have one <laughs> right. of their Pop-Tarts? Um, tell us, Marshall, then what you've been up to. You mentioned that you live farther away yes. now than previously. Um, what have you been up to since we last heard your voice, which I do believe would have been somewhere in the early throes of COVID-19 right. um, going back to last spring. Um, yeah. What have you been up to, I guess, since the last uh, year, year and a half since we last heard your voice? Yeah. Well, I still live in the same place I did then. Um, you know, okay. when I moved was oh, over two years ago, but um, what, you know, the main things that have happened, uh, I mean, have just been um, normal kinds of uh, life things um for well um it's part of life but it's difficult and again i would have to go go into the uh not so light stuff um my father passed away in uh later in 2000 he was i believe sick at the last time we talked if i'm remembering right but he uh he had a very serious stroke and passed away last year he was 91 um and it was more difficult for me than I thought. I mean, I, you're as prepared as you can be when your father is 91, but it was still difficult. So that's probably the biggest thing. And just coping with that um, has been uh, more what's happened the last year, year and a half. Yeah. I mean, and that's got to be hard to not, I mean, not only to lose a parent, like on the one hand, like you said, you can be like, somewhat prepared for that to happen once, once a certain age threshold, I guess, is crossed, but, but to, to lose a loved one in the middle of a pandemic, like we've talked with Matthew a little bit about this because he's Mm. lost several loved ones over the last year during, during COVID when there's like all kinds of oftentimes a lot of guidelines, a lot of restrictions, a lot of, um, just inabilities to grieve, I guess, in the way that you would normally, if that makes sense. So, oh yes, been, how has that been for for you? With oh, your it was a <clears throat> excuse me, it was a nightmare. He um, he basically uh, his he started having life threatening problems after the pandemic started, and um, so he ended up in a hospital. And of course, all hospitals restricted visitation 100%. I mean, they didn't care what kind of family member you were, even though you know, I'm literally his son, and they would not let me see him. And um, then he went back to uh, the uh, rehabilitation side of a nursing home, and he was uh, not doing well. And uh, they let me do video calls with him, but they would not let me in there either. Um, and, you know, I was talking to him and even though he had had a stroke, he clearly understood what was going on. Um, and the employees there weren't sure he understood what was going on with the pandemic. So I talked to him and I 
reminded him of the Spanish flu, which was, you know, a hundred years ago. Um, and I, you know, I was saying that it, the uh, pandemic that was happening now was very similar to that in the sense that it was deadly and they would not let me go to see him because, you know, they're isolating him because he's vulnerable. And um, he understood. And I knew him well enough to, he caught that. So at least I knew that he knew that the only reason that I wasn't there by his side was because of this pandemic. So I was grateful that he at least understood that, but, oh, it, it was very difficult for him. And then, you know, after this happened, um, eventually he had a more serious stroke. He was borderline unconscious. I tried a video call. He was not responsive and um, long story, but they determined that the stroke affected the part of his brain that controlled breathing and heart. So, I mean, he died and it was very difficult, but um, you know, I couldn't be there with him when that happened. And uh, you know, that was, um, I don't know how to say it other than not the way I would have planned it, but you can't plan uh, how these things are going to happen. Um, life uh, sometimes has, uh, you know, difficult parts to it that you know, are out of your control. And I'm sure you understand that with your illness the last year, you, yeah. you wouldn't have wanted that or planned that. And, you know, uh, same thing with losing my father. I, if, I would have wanted to have been there when he passed away, but I couldn't. And he was unaware of things, uh, you know, so a video call just didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. This was a tough year to, <laughs> to, uh, to have any kind of, any kind of death, any kind of funeral, any yes. kind of service on the flip side of that, getting married. That was also a challenge. Yes. For people, I know um, people. In my life. Yes. I had a cousin who, wanted to have a ceremony. Actually, he, he married an Australian woman. And so their goal was to have a, an American wedding and then maybe a month or two later to have an Australian wedding. And all of that got completely scrapped. They basically just had a private ceremony, just the couple of them. And I think his parents and maybe one or two other people. And it was that, that was it. And so it was not necessarily what they would have planned either on the other side of the spectrum, but, um, yeah. but yeah. And then I've been telling people actually with my autoimmune disease, I kind of am grateful in a way that it happened simultaneously with the pandemic, because I can't imagine, I I've been telling people, like, I couldn't imagine getting diagnosed now. Like if I went through the year of the pandemic, which was hard on everybody, but then you throw on the, the fact that now that we're climbing out of the pandemic, if you were then to tell me that I now have to go through a year of autoimmune disease recovery, like that would have just been so crippling to me. So in a way, it's kind of a blessing from my standpoint that like I was able to just like kill two birds with one stone, so to speak. So we got those two awful things out of the way mostly. And uh, hopefully 2021 is certainly going into 2022. Hopefully it uh, has greater promise in store. Yes. I'm so glad you're doing so well. I was concerned. I mean, I, like a lot of people, when I heard your diagnosis, I started reading online and you know, what's <laughs> written there. And, uh, that was just disturbing. I was literally, I was certainly praying for you. I, mm -hmm. I'm so glad to see that you're doing, you know, enormously better than I thought you would be doing. Um, I'm so grateful because it could have been much, could have been much worse as you probably read online. Oh yeah. And I joined a bunch of Facebook groups about this particular autoimmune disease. 
Um, and I saw, yeah, these precious, I mean, my goodness, precious older ladies who just had so many more issues than I did. Like I felt like not to minimize my own pain and my own, mm. uh, struggle through this whole thing, especially early on, but like, yeah, it, it was nothing compared to like loss of vision or kidney failure or allergic reactions to medication. I mean, I, I didn't have to deal with any of that. Good. So, um, so yeah, I feel blessed all Good. around and, and here we are a year and a half later, a little over a year later, actually. And, uh, yeah, I feel almost as normal. Like, I feel like my joints are never going to necessarily be like they were, but I think a lot of that's just getting older too. You know, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> not who I used to be Marshall. <laughs> so. Wow. So now you understand a little about what I was feeling when you let me um, set the pace on certain hikes. <laughs> you understand what I'm my fine. needs were doing. Yeah, what I, I have an doing, empathy yes. now for slower, slower paces and slower hikes and slower. Uh, yes. It slower was, meanderings. Yeah. It was because of pain. You understand. Okay. Um, but anyway, life is like that as you get older. But I, th something tells me that uh, what you're experiencing with your joints is not because of age, it is because of the, uh, uh, the condition that you have, which, yeah. I mean, which gives you hope too. that it may, it'll improve as your condition improves. So, you know, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, but just realize that's what people who get older sometimes experience. Like <laughs> I feel forever. like I've experienced 15, 20 years of life in the last year. Like, I don't wow. know, hopefully my body starts to backtrack a little bit. From yes. That. Yes. But I'm doing all right. Um, yeah, no, no complaints. Um, well, Marshall, in our last seven or so minutes, what what would you like to talk about? Is there anything on your heart? Well, yes, it's the more serious thing I was going to bring up, and it is actually very much related to my father passing away, and that is, you know, and it's about getting older. Um, you know, I'm 62 years old, for those who don't know, and my father um, was basically the last close relative I have that is living. Um, I, you know, never married, so I have no children. And, you know, my mother passed away 20 years ago. Um, I do have one sister, but, you know, again, I don't know fully why, but she hasn't been responding to my texts for a while. Um, I mean, like for months. Um, and it, there's some kind of issue there, but uh, I'm mm -hmm. sure eventually I will talk to her. But the point is, I don't have, you know, mother, father, brother, sister, children. Um, I don't have an actual human family. Um, you know, I talked to my cousins. Well, I talked to them at my father's funeral, but not since then. So I basically don't have human family, but God's given me a spiritual family that has made a huge difference to me emotionally. I mean, it's, uh, you really need that as you get older, especially if you are single and don't have parents or children. Um, I, I could go on and on telling stories about that, but I mean, even just today, I, um, uh, I got home from work, you know, in the morning, cause I worked last night and, um, one of my housemates, uh, his name is Steven, um, just, um, deliberately came into my room and said, how are you doing? And I said, Oh, good, good. <laughs> and then, then he said, do you mind if I ask you some more serious questions? And I said, Oh no. And then he went on to ask very pointed, good questions about me having a low opinion of myself. And, um, you know, I won't go into that, but he, he, he just started to 
help me see that um, there's a better way to approach, um, how would I say this, viewing my faults um, instead of really getting down on myself about certain faults. And um, so anyway, he ended up making some, he had some really good insights. He um, he told me that he had been praying for me and that he had, he had deliberately come in to talk to me because he wanted to help me, um, you know, gain confidence in general. Um, so anyway, we, we did talk for a while and I, I felt loved and cared for. And I mean, he hugged me twice uh, during the conversation and there was, I just really felt his genuine love and he could tell I needed it, but he wasn't just trying to like humor me. It was because, he considered me like a genuine brother and, oh, that just meant a lot to have something like that happen. Um, so as you, you know, get older when you're single, if you don't have a human family, God has a way of providing a spiritual family that makes a huge difference. I thanked him a lot, as you could imagine, if you know me. <laughs> and I, um, you know, I was just thinking, you know, this is not a um, isolated experience. I mean, I have people encouraging me on a regular basis and showing me respect, but not talking down to me or something. They're, they're just, they're treating me as a, a brother um, and uh, someone that really matters to them. Yeah. It's awesome to hear that, Marshall. I'm curious because we're running out of time. What would you say to someone listening who's who I don't know, because I get the sense that maybe I'm not older, you know, I, I'm not in your age bracket, right, but I, right. I'd be curious, like, if there's someone out there listening who is, who just doesn't have that, they've never had that. Like, what would you, is there anything that you can say, anything that would be encouraging to them? Because I can imagine, I'm starting to feel it a little bit in my thirties that I'm starting to stick out a little bit more as a single person. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I still think maybe I have a decade or so in me to keep camouflaging, um, with the masses, but I mean, at some, at some point, I don't know what the number is going to be, if it's going to be 40, if it's going to be 45, if it's going to be 50, but, um, I imagine that just being an older single person can be isolating, at least on the surface, um, when the typical thing to do, certainly within Christianity, but in greater American culture, it's to get married, it's to have kids, it's right. to have a nuclear family of your own. So, so what would you, I guess, what would you say to someone who's, whether they're 62, 52, 42, 32, whatever age they are, if they're, having a trouble, having trouble finding that spiritual family? Well, first of all, go to God. He is our, our father and he is not a bad father. He's the best possible father, better than any human father could ever be, you know, and ask for him to provide. I mean, there's a promise in scripture that says basically that he will set the lonely in families um, but the rebellious will dwell, dwell in a dry land. <laughs> it goes with it. Um, so what that means is certainly don't rebel against God, go toward God, not away from him. Um, but do ask him to put you in a family. And he has certainly answered that prayer for me. Um, and obviously as a practical thing, I mean, be involved in some kind of Christian group, church, house, church, whatever it works for you. Um, and, um, you know, as you get to know people, eventually God will provide genuine friends. Uh, in my case, a group of us moved in together, and that's been a great blessing. Um, but, you know, it doesn't always have to be that you're living in the same house, but you can have very genuine friends that, you know, that will care for you and 
you will care for them. I, I certainly would be glad to talk in any more detail that someone wants to, that may be in my position. Yeah. You can send Marshall an email anytime, yes. Marshall at yourotherbrothers.com. And um, you can check out his posts as well. We'll have a link to those in the description as well. Yes. Um, and I guess kind of the, the asterisk or the PS on this conversation, I'm really curious to see what happens in the decades to come as people, people within Yab, people within the greater side B community, they're becoming more and more connected by the day um, through the internet, through Zoom calls, through retreats and conferences and what have you. And um, I think there's a real potential for people who are getting older um, to relocate, you know, whatever, whether, whether that's across the state, whether that's across the city, whether that's across the country, even um, I've seen that happening again and again um, of people relocating to be around who they would call spiritual family. Um, and it's an awesome thing. I mean, we'll see where the decades take us as far as, um, as far as this side B, this new side B movement culture, I guess you could call it, um, people who, you know, don't want to be alone. People who either don't have a, a physical family or have separation with them for various reasons. Like, uh, it's awesome to see, I guess, a new, a new evolution of what it means to be the church and, um, and hopefully, yeah, hopefully there's greater potential than ever for, someone, if you, if you really want to be around family, if, if you value relationships, if you value community more than maybe more than a job, even more than your dream job or, or whatever job, whatever industry you've been in for however many years, like, um, I know for myself, that's, that's always been the driving force for me pretty much everywhere I've ever moved. It's been for the people, not necessarily <laughs> for a career. Now, now I'm not like leading the typical career path of, of the typical American, but, um, but I, I will say I don't regret any of the moves I've ever made because it's been awesome to just be able to to be able to move with people in mind versus a career versus money versus whatever the other factors are. But that's just been my my own little priority list. So so everyone has to get to their to their uh, where, what they value more more than more than others. Yeah, Tom, I, I would say that I've done the same thing. I could tell the story of who and why, you know, I'm, you know, who was involved when I did move, but yeah, I often virtually always, when I moved, it was because there was someone with one or two exceptions, but like Seattle yeah. was one exception. But anyway, the point is that it, it really pays to move to where you have friendships and where, you know, you'll have the community you need. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it was fun to hear from you again, Marshall. It's been been too long. Uh, hopefully, we can hear from you again soon. We're we're running to the end of this season of the Convocast. I believe we have one more episode coming before we take a little break uh, for a little retreat. Which I think, Marshall, you're coming to that, right? Oh yes, I will definitely be there. That's my plan. Yeah, we're gonna have an awesome time together. Us and 40 of our dearest friends from all over the country. We're looking forward to that happening yes. very soon. But uh, y'all, until we cast our next combo, thanks for staying with us. We'll be back soon. See y'all.